and they'll get to you in just about, oh, in between 10 and 30 seconds at, at the most, all right? So keep them up, and these guys are great. They'll get that to you as we continue here this morning with the second message in our series, Strengthen Your Foundations. What do we do in times like these? And that statement, what do we do in times like these, came from Psalm 11. Psalm 11 speaks of foundations when it says, If the foundations be destroyed, then what can the righteous do? That's the question. So what do we do in times like these? Well, last week we discovered as we kind of laid the foundation for this mini-series, we discussed that there is absolutely nothing you can do. There's no hope if the foundations are destroyed. It's just the truth. Let's just be honest. But if the foundations are strengthened, then what can the wicked do? Same answer. Absolutely nothing. So, So the goal is that you and I would strengthen our foundations in the Lord. And so this morning, what are some of those foundations? What is it that as you and I begin to look at our lives and begin to look at our lives from a a biblical view, what is it that we need to do to strengthen our foundations in in the Lord? Well, we begin with 1 Peter this morning. I want you to notice a foundation, just one foundation, an element, a foundational element of of our faith. Look at it with me in 1 Peter chapter number 1. As we begin this second, this message, all right? Notice in the first three words of verse 23. Being born again. Now, let's stop right there for just a moment and say this to anybody here who has not been born again. First of all, for you to experience the, the true power of the message and, and for you to understand the message, truly, you would need to be born again. Being born again means to be born twice. We know we've all been born once if we're sitting in this room. I mean, that's a fact of life. I mean, you're sitting here, you have a birthday. You have a day you were born once. But if you've never been born twice, born again, the Bible calls it redeemed, saved, bought with a price, saved by the blood we sang this morning. You see, if you've come to a place in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, you've gone from death unto life, and you've been born again in a spiritual sense. And so this morning, maybe there's someone here today that that's exactly what you needed. You needed the first three words of that verse. You need to be born again. That's great. It's wonderful. It's why you're here. I can, I can assure you, I have no reservations about that. I, I don't know maybe why everybody's here this morning, but I know why somebody's here who's never been born again, and that's to be born again. So if you've never been born again, I encourage you, as we conclude the message, as we begin to teach the message and come to the end of the message, that you would recognize that this is why you're here. And this morning, right where you're seated, you can be saved right now by asking Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, to turn from your sin, to turn to Jesus, to ask him today to save you and be born again. Then it says this, not of corruptible seed. Your your Bible may say the word perishable seed but of incorruptible or imperishable by the word of God. Here it is. It lives. It abides forever. For all flesh is is as grass. And all the glory of man as the flower of grass. Because the grass withers. The flower fades or falls away. But 
the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. What could be a more basic and foundational thought than this? Let's go back to feeding faithfully on God's word. Let's go back to feeding faithfully in God's word. That's the foundational thought. That's what I'm asking you this morning to consider. That some of us this morning have left the word of God. Oh, we're Christians. We're saved. We know that. We've been born again. But where on the list of priorities is the word of God? Where is it? This morning, I challenge you to consider that thought. Let's get back to the routine of the word of God. Let's get back to the importance of the word of God in our lives. I want to inspire you this morning. That word inspire means a lot to me. Because I understand that many of us need inspiration this morning. We need some motivation. We need something to grab our attention this morning. And so the challenge for me is this. That you would be inspired to get back to the word of God. The foundational element of the word of God. In order to do that, I'd like to ask you one more time to pray with me to that end. Father, we come to you this morning. We bow humbly before your presence. We, we continue to worship the beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus. But God, we understand that the Word of God and the Son of God are one and the same. Jesus, we, we know everything about you because of your Word. Your Word tells us how to live. Your Word tells us about the promises that you've given us. Your Word tells us how we can be saved and born again. Your Word, God, is you in the on paper. The, the flesh of Jesus Christ is laid out in the words of this book that we call the Bible. So, Father, I pray that, God, we would listen, that we would be changed, that, God, you would ignite and spark something within us this morning as believers that would cause us to go back to this foundational element, the Word of God. May we not leave this place the same as we came. Please, 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 oh God, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, let's look at it here. Look at verse 23. The very first thing I want you to notice as we consider these facts about the word of God. It says to be born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which, number one, the word of God lives. The word of God lives. It lives. It is alive. You know what's amazing about the word of God? It's often referred to in scripture as seed. Seed. In fact, in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, in the parable of the sower, it actually says this. The seed is the word of God. Can't get any clearer than that. So if the word of God is often referred to as seed, we understand there is what in seed? There's life. There's life in a seed. And here we see that the Lord is, that the, rather that the seed is the word of God. And so there's life in the Word of God. There's, there's life in the Word of God. Life. Uh, listen, that may explain why there is often enthusiasm in my preaching. That may be why sometimes when I stand up here, I have something that's happened to me, and it's not marijuana, it's not cocaine, it's not caffeine. It's the Word. The Word's alive. In fact, have you ever paid attention to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12? Have you ever paid attention to it? Let's get the wordiness for a moment 
out of the verse. I love the verse from, from start to finish. But if you read the whole verse, you've got you to stop and preach 45 minutes. So let's just read the first few words. Think about the first few words of Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is quick. It's quick. You know what that means? It means it's alive. It's powerful. The word of God is powerful. You know what that means? That means it's active. The word of God is active. And then it is sharp. The word of God is those things. It's alive. It's active. And it's sharp. This morning, I preach to you the alive, active, sharp word of God. It is alive. And if the word of God is alive, then why are some of us not experiencing this? Think about it for just a moment. There may be some of us sitting here this morning, including those that have been saved for many years. And you may be saying, you know, I just don't know that I've ever quite experienced it personally. You know, I, someone can be saved and not really know much about the Bible. I was saved at age 13. I didn't know one verse, not one verse, not one doctrinal truth. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I attended church where the, the, the culture of the church was that the minister would explain the word to you. You were asked not to bring your Bible to church. You don't need a Bible in church in the culture I was raised in. So I, I was raised in a culture that, that as far spiritually and as far as the word was concerned, where I didn't know a verse. Didn't know one verse. Couldn't have quoted a verse to you. Not one. I didn't know any Bible. So I finally went to a church where a man preached the Bible, the word... And he told me how I could be saved. He shared verses with me that I, at the time, I didn't know and didn't have memorized and probably could not have quoted when I walked out of the building. But I knew one thing when I left that building this morning. I knew that I was born again. I knew that I was saved. I knew at age 13, not one Bible verse, not one doctrinal truth. I could not have taught for five minutes in a class. But I did know one thing, that I was saved. I knew I was born again. I knew my life was changed. And then someone bought me this Bible. This is my high school Bible. This Bible right here means a lot to me. It sits on my shelf in my office in a very important place. I refer to it often as I'm preaching to teenagers. It's a Bible that's kind of falling apart. The leather is beaten up pretty badly. You can take complete sections out of it. But as I looked through my high school Bible, and I read some of the notes this week, sermon notes from Dr. Glenn Riggs, my pastor as I was growing up as a teenager, who fed me the Word of God faithfully. Statements and lines and, and verses and outlines and, and, and life-changing messages and decisions I made, literally the decision, the date of the decision, the title of the sermon, the, the name of the preacher who preached the sermon, a couple of pages of those, page after page after page of, of, of the Word of God when it came alive to me. It blew up in my life. It began to mean something. I was saved. I was a Christian. I became a Christian at age 13 the first time I, the second time I ever heard the gospel. But I didn't, the Bible wasn't alive to me until I began to experience it personally. Personally. And so this morning I'm asking you this question. Have you ever experienced, has the light come on in your life? Has the light of the word of God come alive in you? I remember as a 27-year-old pastor coming to Gospel Light Baptist Church, we had no idea what God could do. In that little storefront building, a young preacher with not a whole lot of, you know, Bible knowledge. I didn't have a, I wasn't very eloquent, 
But I began to open God's Word. You see, in 24 years, I've never brought any book into the pulpit but the Bible. I've never in 24 years said, open your commentaries. I've never said, open your magazines. I've never said, you know, I was reading a really good book this week, and I, I thought I would just leave my Bible in my office because this is a really good book, and I wanted to share with you from this book what I've never done that. Why would I do that when I've got the Word of God that lives? It lives. It's a lie. It is God breathed. This is an amazing book called the Bible. And we need to get back to it. The Word of God is a seed. It's a seed. And there is life in it. Life. There's energy. There's enthusiasm. How do you feel? How do you feel about the word? Think. How do you feel? Answer in your heart. How do you feel about the word? How do you feel about the word? Number two, the word of God abides. You're welcome to speak. I just wanted to get that point across. You can can share. (laughs) Sometimes I just need everyone to be able to sit still and think. The word of God abides. Look at verse number 23. Look at 23 in 1 Peter chapter number 2. But being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and what? Abideth forever. So it lives, yes, but the word of God abides. Now, strange word. Not one that we use very often. I never say that I abide at 621 3rd Street. That's where I abide. You would look at me and say, you're King James only. That's for sure. (laughs) The word of God abides. What does that mean? It means it remains. But yet still, it's it's more than that. I, I married my wife for 28 years. When we had our anniversary, celebrated our anniversary, I didn't say, honey, it's been a great 28 years. I think I'm going to remain with you. It's a good word. Let's go farther. It abides, it remains, yes, but let, 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 let's put it like it. The Bible stays with you. It stays with you. The Bible sticks to you like a good meal does. You ever had a good meal that you talk about when you get in the vehicle? I mean, you're still talking about it. You already had it. Like last night, I took Brother Francis and Sister Peggy out for a steak. Hallelujah. I'm glad they're in church today. The the steak has been digested. Well, when Brother Francis got back in the car, one of the first things he said was, my, that was a good meal. And the last thing he said when I dropped him off at his house as he got out was, thank you for that wonderful meal. Hey, 30, 40, 50 minutes after the meal, he was still experiencing the meal. It stayed with him. I'll, I'll attest to the fact that it's still staying with me this morning. Hallelujah. I haven't had a meal since I've enjoyed it so much. You see, the Word of God is like that. We don't, we talk about it in the car. We talk about it on the way home. We talk about it when we get home. In fact, we talk about it so much that we can't wait to come back and get some more of it. How did you feel this morning when you woke up? How did you feel this morning when you woke up about coming to hear the Word? The Word of God, it abides, it stays, it sticks. You can't outlive it and you can't live without it. 
And right now, the Holy Spirit is moving in this church. Right now, I believe, I've prayed, I'm asking God right now to move in this church to bring us back to feeding regularly on His Word. It's a foundation. And without it, there's no meaning. There's no meaning. Without it, there's no reason for us to get together. Let me ask you a question. Is the Word of God alive in you right now? If you can't answer yes, I've been there. I've been there. But don't stay there. Don't stay there. God loves you too much. We've got to get back to this foundational element, number three. Look, if you would, please, at verse 23 again as we discover this third fact about his word. He lives, he abides, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth, the word of God lives, it abides, the word of God abides forever. I love that. Forever. That's a long time. <laughs> Forever. For all flesh. Oh, that's like grass. We ain't talking about forever when we talk about Erica Pacey's flesh. I got wrinkles now. Oh, yeah. I got wrinkles. I got things going on. You know, I, my, 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 my body's like grass. Uh, the Bible says here, the, it's, 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 uh, all the, the glory of man is a, as the flower of grass. The grass withers. The flower fades or falls away. But... But the word of God endures. Number three, the word of God endures. It endures. It is forever. Man is corruptible. But the word of God is incorruptible. Man is perishable. But the word of God is imperishable. I have a little granddaughter named Lainey. I love Lainey. I don't mind babysitting Lainey 24-7. I've never said no. I'll never say no. Yesterday they asked if Suze had a little volleyball tournament. Mo had a basketball game. And uh, Mo was going to bring Lainey to the basketball. He said, no, no, we got her. We got this. Leave her here. In fact, this morning, if they needed me to babysit Lainey at 1045, she'd be on the stage with me right now. I'd be preaching. She'd be walking around, tearing stuff up. And I'd just say, you guys get over it. I'm babysitting my granddaughter. You don't like it? You know, then fire me. I'm... I love Lainey, but I found out something about her that's, I need you to pray, she's perishing. Lainey's dying. In fact, her parents are dying too. It's it's what happens when perishing people give birth. They give birth to perishing things. Their parents are dying too. Her grandparents and my my son's parents are dying. In fact, my son's grandparents are dying too. It's just a mess. They're perishing because perishable things cannot... Give birth to perishable things. But when something imperishable gives birth, can I tell you what happens? That which is perishable becomes imperishable and never dies. That's why you need to be born again. You see, lady, yes, is perishing. But the imperishable word brings life to perishable man. That's why it endures forever. Our lifespan in this flesh may be just for 50, 60, 70, 80 years, maybe at the max. But the truth of the matter is, is when we experience the seed of the word of God and Jesus Christ comes into our life, we become imperishable. Number three, number four, the word of God endures, that lives, it abides. Notice number four here, it sanctifies. Now, now, now. It's a big word, but we're going to be fine with that word because we're going, to, we're going to go to God's word again and we're going to look at it. We understand chapter divisions were placed there by man. And so we're going to ignore that. Let's ignore chapter 2 and just keep reading. 
It says here in verse 25, the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Remember, no chapter divisions when they wrote this. Peter wrote this. He said, right after he said that, he said, wherefore, because of that, I want you to put away some things. I want you to lay aside some things in your life because the word of God is alive. It changes you. It helps you to become better than you are. It changes you. So, so I want you to get rid of some stuff. So let's look at these filthy five. We're going to call them the filthy five. Five filthy things to put aside. Five filthy things to put away. They're all right from the word of God. Now, I think one of the ways we can identify these five filthy things is in the presidential debates. We can see the condition of America just by watching those debates. It's not just, don't just be mad at Miss Hillary and Mr. Trump. Don't just be disgusted by some of what's being said. People in church are doing the same thing. The nation is doing the same thing. This is how we handle life. We've got filthy stuff, and now it's just on the biggest stage in our country, it shows up because it's all over the world. It's all over the nation. It's in our churches, our schools, it's in our homes. So no wonder it shows up on the big stage. First of all, malice. Malice is, is a filthy thing that God says, put it away. Malice is the broadest word in the New Testament for all forms of evil. It's the broadest word. Broadest term, malice. And, and more specifically, guile or deceit. Deceit. Using false words to get the best of another person. Think about that. Think, think about that last Tuesday night. Using false words to get the best of another person on both sides of the platform. Hey, but how often does that happen in our lives? Using false words to get the best of another person. What about hypocrisy? You ever seen this? This is the false appearance of goodness while conceding, uh, concealing the true you. The false appearance. This is what we showcase on Sundays. You know, not the true us. But the appearance of we got it all together. That's why we don't like small groups. That's why it's so hard to start small groups because it's just too intimate. We, we have to share too much. We have to hear too much. I, I, I just, I don't want to tell you too much because you may not like me if you really knew me. That's what's so beautiful about Jesus is he knows everything about you and he still loves you. So who do we need to be more like? More like Jesus, who it doesn't matter what you tell me, I'm going to love you and accept you and we're going to pray for you and we're going to help you. Hypocrisy. How, how, many, how many lies are we hearing in this debate? Who's telling the truth? And then evil. Envy, rather. Envy is resentment towards someone else's qualities or possessions. Or maybe you had the word success. This is any time we look at someone and as they share their success or blessings, we smile, but we hate it because it's not us. We're not happy for them. Huh, that's good. Wish that was me. I wish it wasn't them and I wish it was me. Envy. Ever been there? Evil speakings or slander. Oh. Oh. This is, this is, you know, as you watch the next debate, I don't know how much this is going to go on, but, but, but before you judge the two candidates, please remember you got three fingers pointing back at you. Deliberate and intentional attempts to destroy the character of another person. I would love it if one of the candidates would just say, 
You know what? Yeah, I did that. I made a mistake. I was an idiot. Sometimes I say things. You ever been there, America? You've never said something. You're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Man, and I'm sorry. That was 20 years ago. I've gotten a lot better. I'm working on it. Pray for me. Wouldn't this be great? You know, I'm saved so the power of God can change me. Wouldn't that be great? But, you know, at least, at least, you know, but, but I tell you what, let's get back to the economy. Let, let's get back to what we need to deal with. We're digging up slander. The truth of the matter is, if we would just simply say, you know what? I, I've made mistakes. I've done some things wrong. I'm sorry. Jesus uh, says, put all of that aside. And here's what I want you to do. Look at verse 2. I want you like a little baby. Like little Laney. I want you, to, put a, I want you to, to desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may what? Grow. That's sanctification. That's what sanctification is. The word of God helps you grow. Let me ask you a question. How are you doing in the areas that we just read? In those five, filthy five, how are you doing in those areas? Is the word of God changing you? I want to stand here this, this morning and say that I'm thankful for the sanctifying presence of God in my life. He's changing me right now. Right now, he's changing me. As I stand in your presence this morning, preaching this message, he's changing me. He's working on me. I'm a work in progress. But the word of God is powerful. It's quick. It's, it's changing me. The word of God sanctifies. Number five. The word of God is nourishing. It's nourishing. It's like milk. Look at verse 2 again. It says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Oh, listen. Can you sense your need for the word of God? We've got some babies in our church, new babies. Josh and Rebecca just had a little baby girl named Berea. I don't know if Josh and Rebecca were able to make it. I mean, brand new baby girls. Josh and Rebecca here this morning, just out of curiosity. All right. Um, James and Brianna Manthe, who go to the first service, they just had a little baby girl named Riley. And then Doug and Jessica Bronzig just had a little baby boy named Owen, right? Did I say, who did I say? Doug and. Did I say it right? Okay, good. Jesse, good. Okay. Everybody's kind of laughing. Maybe it's just because I'm talking about babies and you're like, ooh. Let me tell you something about those babies. I don't have to ask. I can guarantee you those parents didn't have those babies. They have not walked to their cribs and said, Hey, guys, listen, when y'all want some milk, just cry. When you guys are ready for a little milk, just let me know. Just start crying. Let me help you. Do, do like this. Just That's perfect. Perfect. That's good. They, they didn't have to teach them because babies desire milk. Babies want milk, and so they cry for milk. You can read every book you want about how to get them to stop crying for milk. It ain't going to work. The only way to stop them from crying is give them the milk, right? How did you feel when you woke up this morning? Were you crying out for the Word of God or crying out for caffeine? Really? Really? Okay, both, okay? <laughs> How about both? Let's not get too spiritual here. Both. Oh, listen. There is something 
in the child of God that ought to sense its need for the word of God. That's what Sunday should be like. I want this. I want it, preacher. I want more of it. I need it. I, I need God's word. I need you to, to, to preach and teach God's word. I need small group. I can't wait to get to my small group. Can't wait for my devotions. I need something from God's word. It's changing me. It's nourishing me. Yesterday, or rather last night, we were watching that big football game, right? Man, we're in there, whole family, you know, we're watching the the Clemson-Louisville game, and we're, we're getting with it. My wife's in the room. She's studying her Bible, you know. Cotton-picking wife, got to be that spiritual. Care less about the Clemson game, you know. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, so I go to the back room. She's done, she's got, you know, she's got her glasses down now. We're getting older, so this is how we study God's Word. You know what I'm talking about? That's how we do it. So I walk in there, she's got it like that, you know, and she's, She's oh man, you gotta listen to it. I'm, I just finished watching a stupid football game. She's all, oh, you gotta, honey, this is so Chloe jumps in the bed with us. You know, we're having our family prayer time, and and the uh, you know, or part of the family, you know, is in the bed. Not not everybody. J- Joe stopped that a while back, a couple years ago. And uh, <clears throat> and so she's right in the middle. And so Carol Ann is telling us about this man. She's listening to this podcast, and this guy's talking about how that you know. She, she says, honey. Uh, you know, he, he talks about he was a drug addict and he was addicted to porn and, 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 and all these things. And, and he, he was, his marriage was exploding and imploding. And, and he, was, he, was, uh, he got saved, but he still struggled with all those things. He couldn't seem to get those things out. He tried and tried and tried. But then he began to read God's word. And the word of God came alive in him. And he began to get victory over these things based on the word of God. And the promises in the word of God. And obeying what God said. And he just took it for, for what it said. He said, I'm going to try that. And he's, he's getting victory over all these sins because he's getting in the word. Well, Carol Ann's all fired up and excited about all this. And she's sharing all this stuff with us. Man, I got to thinking... Man, I want to be hungry for the word like she is. I mean, God's doing a work in my wife right now. And by the way, men, that's scriptural. The Bible says that oftentimes we need to look at the example of our wives who can sometimes grow us and win us over by their... They don't have to say anything. Sometimes they just live it out. I'm screaming for football. She's screaming for the Bible. Who needs help? Honestly, who needs help? I'm just saying. I don't... Hey, look, I'm just being transparent. I'm not saying I, I mean, you, I, she didn't write this sermon, okay? It's not, it's not that bad. I mean, I ain't going to say she's the next Beth Moore or nothing, okay? But I am going to say, we need to, we need to understand that there is no nourishing like the milk of the word. Nothing. Nothing replaces the word of God. It is foundational. Number, number six, and we're done. The word of God satisfies. It satisfies. Look at verse three of our text. This is amazing. So as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted. Now I'm going to give you a scripture on the screen and see if you can relate to this. It's Luke chapter number 24, verse 32. And Jesus has been walking with two men on a road, right? Remember this? The road to Emmaus. He's walking with these two dudes. They're talking for hours. 
Well, Jesus, finally, the conversation stops there. Maybe Jesus had to use the restroom. I don't know. Maybe there was a conversation he had to have. But there was a, 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 a low in the conversation. And they said, hey, you did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way, while he opened to us the Bible. Did you feel that? Did you experience that? Do you feel that heartburn? Do you feel that inside of you? Every time he talked about the scriptures, something happened. It did something to me. It, it, there was something that, that, that happened inside of me. The word of God's like that. Tasted. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Verse number four. If so be ye have tasted. These guys were experiencing something they hadn't experienced and they were just blown away by it they tasted it they said man that's good you you feel that you know does anyone have something they they just refuse to eat if you have something you refuse to eat in the building i've got one don't worry you're not the only has anybody got something okay i know what vincent is man <laughs> chinese food man i went out the other day it's anything but chinese he's pretty bold about it too he's firm Look, if you guys choose Chinese, I'm going across the street. You know. <laughs> what, what, what's yours? Mushrooms. Mushrooms. Oh, yeah. I don't even want to talk about what those things are. What's yours, brother? Right. Mushrooms. Okay, we got a couple of mushrooms here. We got Chinese peas. What's yours, Sarah? Liver. How many livers do we have here? I can't eat a liver. All right. Now, mine's peas. I've just struggled with peas since day one, so I ain't going there right now. Pray for me. I need the victory. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I used to hate carrots. Oh, I hated them. I mean, I don't know what it was about a carrot. I just didn't like them. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I get married, and my mother-in-law, Mrs. Yo, we call her affectionately, Miss Yo, she prepared some carrots. And, you know, they're pretty things. They really are. Orange. I mean, they're good-looking things. Now, don't peas are disgusting. I mean, I, I think half my problem with peas is it looked like little rolled-up boogers to me. But carrots, I mean, they're pretty, you know. And so I look at those carrots, and I, I don't like them. I haven't eaten a carrot in 20 years. I'm not, I didn't like it 20 years ago. I won't like it now. But she said something to me, and it's hard when your mother-in-law says, well, just, if you would, I'd really appreciate if you just taste them. What are you going to do? It's your mother-in-law. You're trying to, you know, win them over. You, you're trying to, you know. So I'm like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just never have liked them. I like them. I like carrots. I eat carrots now. I went 20 years without carrots, but then I, I tasted them. <laughs> and I found out this thing's pretty good. Listen, some of you need to have that experience with the Bible. You see, you thought the Bible was stale and boring. You thought it was. And I believe some of our young people struggle with this because I think in our world, if you would, if you've been in my world, and not everybody has, but if you've been in my world, we came out of a world where we were, we were making a big deal out of one old English version of the Bible, which is a great version. I'm preaching from it this morning, and it's what I've memorized. And it's my favorite version. I enjoy reading out of the King James Version, but it's, an, it's got a lot of old English in it. Kids struggle with it. Young people struggle with it. Cody would struggle with it. Mo would struggle with it. Elijah would probably have what? An ESV this morning? 
ESV. You might have a King James. All right. Who's got an ESV this morning? Raise your hand if you've got an ESV. All right. It's about 30 people in the building. ESV is kind of a new modern, a little more modern. We probably got 100, but nobody wanted to raise their hands. <laughs> and, and so sometimes <clears throat> I have found that because of our position, we've, we've discouraged some kids who sometimes just it's hard for them to read the old English. And so we've, without explanation, and even when we give an explanation, it hasn't really been correct. It's just been stubborn. And so I'm, I'm excited for some of these kids now that are, that, are, that, are, that are reading the Bible more because they, they're understanding some of the old English words that are now same words, just changed a little. I say all that to say this. That's a sensitive subject in a church that's, that's been in the past been somewhat deaf on that. We got past that. And I've sensed some vitalization in our church about the word, of, especially our young people. And I'm pumped about it. And I want to say this. If that's what it takes for you to get into the word of God, to, to look at, at, at trying to understand the words a little better, man, go for it. Get in the word. Study the word. Because I can assure you, hey, some of you that think it's stale and boring and hard to comprehend, for me it's carrots, for you it's the Bible. Oh, taste and see. You just might like it. And I know you would. It would change your life. Oh, taste and see. So what do we do? Well, I believe we need to commit to reprioritizing God and the Bible in our lives. Reprioritize. Where is the Bible on the list of priorities of your life? You say, well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's God first, and it's my wife second, and it's the Bible third. No, no. Put the Bible up there with God, because that's what the Bible is. It's, it's, it's God on paper. You see, the Bible needs to be a priority in our lives way, way more than it probably is right now. Some of us too sleep over the Bible. We want sleep more than we want to read the Bible. Some of us choose breakfast over the Bible. We'd rather eat food than eat the Word. So we wake up just early enough to get breakfast and some coffee and Maybe one verse and zip out of the house. Maybe not a verse. It's just not that important. Reprioritize the Bible. It's a found... Listen, most of us could live 40 days without food. We live in America. We're overweight. We need help. Honestly. I'm serious. I'm not being smart. I hope nobody leaves the church over that statement because I'm not... Hey, I could stand to lose a few pounds. I'm not upset with anybody. I'm just saying, church... We need to get serious. Serious. The psalmist said, I desire your word more than my necessary food. More than I want to eat. I want want your word. How do you feel about that? Man, I wonder if, if we could skip a meal. I don't know many people that can skip a meal. I mean, they can't skip a meal. You crazy? I got to eat. How do you feel about the Bible? Is that, is that where the Bible is? You say, man, I'm getting uncomfortable. Good. That's good. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. It's not me. Because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> you think I've mastered this? You think I'm, whatever day it is today, I think this is like the 320th day of the year. I'm not 320 for 320. <laughs> I've had a few mornings. 
Well, the devil got the best of me. But I'm going to reprioritize God in my life. Let me give you a few ways to do that. Number one, get up earlier. Get up earlier. Just get up earlier. Just decide you're going to do it. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Number two, start in the Gospel of John. If you've never really read your Bible through, then don't start with Leviticus. Start with John. It's really just a good recommendation. I remember when I got saved, somebody gave me a... My first Bible was really two books. They gave me this little old Bible that just said the Gospel of John and Romans. I thought, is this it? They said, no, that's not it, but that's just two really good ones to start in. I said, oh, okay. So I read John. And then number three, ask God as you read the Bible to prove himself real to you. Ask him. Don't read before you ask him, God... I'm about to dive into this thing, and this is, this is not something I've done a lot of, and I need your help in understanding and comprehending. And Father, just give me one nugget today. Just give me something I can walk away with. Next, memorize one verse, maybe every week or month, even year. Memorize. You know, sometimes I think we, we think we're going to be exempt from ever having to Worship God in a house and not in a church. The day's coming in America where we'll no longer do this. I'm not being ugly. I'm just, it's just the truth. Church, we're, we're not going to enjoy this freedom much longer. Maybe another five years, ten years, maybe. Truth of the matter is, is we better know the word because there's coming a day we can't come and listen to the pre- preacher preach. We're going to be in, in a house church. You say, well, I just don't think that'll ever happen. Well, then explain why it's happening all over the world. All over the world, this is outlaw. This is against the law. You die for stuff like this. It just hasn't come here yet, but it's coming. So let's, let's not be afraid of it. Let's just be ready for it. Let's, let's get close to God. Let's get in the Word. Let's memorize God's Word. Let's keep our Bibles close to us so that when it comes time for us to have to worship God in our churches with our neighborhood Christian friends, invite. hey, that's, that's church too, by the way. That's just as much church as this is. Don't you stay home next week in your chapter, son. No, I say that. We're really already doing that with house, house, small groups. But I'm glad we can still get together once a week like this. I love it. And I'm glad we still get to do it. And then finally, read the Bible at night until you fall asleep. I had somebody tell me one time, man, I bet God's so disappointed in me. Preacher, I just, I'm so ashamed. I fall asleep reading my Bible. I just said to him, it's better than falling asleep watching television. I think God's probably thinking that's the sweetest, cutest thing ever. Gabriel, look down there at old Eric. He he read about 10 minutes and now look at him. His Bible's just sprawled out over his chest. I think I'll get a little word in him today just that way. Just infuse him with it. If you fall asleep while reading your Bible to me, praise God. That's one of the most beautiful things I can think of you can do. Last thing in your day is letting God talk to you to sleep. That's like a lullaby, the Word of God. So I say all that to say this. Where is God's Word in your life? If you've never been born again, the Bible says, For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Strengthen your foundation. Here it is. The Word of God. It lives. It abides. It endures forever. It sanctifies. The Word of God changes us. The Word of God. Let's get back to it. Every head bowed, every eye closed.